So you came because you want the juicy details of the real, true story of Christmas. Your parents have told you one thing. Your teachers at school have told you another. You, you've read certain things in storybooks. You've read other things in the Bible. And you, you really just want to get to the heart of it. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time to get into all of the nitty gritty of the unmarried mother to be living under an oppressive regime, giving birth in a barn, fleeing from a genocide, targeting her newborn, living as refugees with her husband and child in a neighboring country, visited by men following a religion completely different from their own, who brought these gifts for their son. We we just we can't get into all of that. But what we are going to do is rewind just a little bit before all of that and tell you what leads into the typical Christmas story that you might hear around this time. It's a great story. If you have your Bible app or your Bible, you can join us. We're looking at Luke chapter one, and we're going to walk through this story. Uh, Jordan made it sound like it's straight out of a Star Wars film, but this is straight out of scripture. And we hope you enjoy this story as we uncover the truth about Christmas. Enjoy. You're listening to The Youth Room, a podcast from UPCI Youth Ministries for students and young adults. Every month, Daniel and Jordan hang out and talk about things relevant to you as an apostolic young person. If you like what you hear, please consider following and subscribing to the show. P.S. We want your feedback. Visit anchor.fm slash theyouthroomym to connect with us on social media and send us a voice message if you have a question or topic that we should address in the future. Today we're talking about the true story of Christmas and uh you know Dan sometimes we start this story way too late like we just yeah we pick up and we're in a manger and I don't know how we got here I don't know what's going on <laughs> I'm pulling straw out of my hair just let's back it up a bit and maybe you can explain to me how we got here well, where are you? Like, why do you have straw in your hair? I don't, I don't know where that came from. Maybe you started your own story too late. I need a bit of the background. Uh, but yeah, the the story of of Christmas and the story of Christ really, I, I agree with you. Sometimes you know it's all about the birth of Jesus, and so we want to kind of go back a little bit and talk about that. And it really, it goes all the way back to a prophecy, right? This is the reason this matters and is so important is because it's it's the fulfillment of a a promise and it was the promise um of a savior of someone who would come and redeem god's people bring them back to him and we see in the old testament this this promise kind of reiterated over and over and over again through generations upon generations of people where god through you know these different prophets that we read about and sometimes when we read them in the bible we don't make all the connections or the associations but god uses different prophets to you know give different parts of the prophecy of Jesus and of this Messiah like Isaiah and Micah who you know foretold the coming of a savior who would bring salvation and usher in a new covenant and so it was a really really big deal and it was something that people looked forward to for a really long time and we get these little pieces of the story spread out across uh, these different prophets, like for example, Isaiah seven and fourteen, it speaks of a virgin conceiving a child. So a very specific sign that would relate to this story. And Micah chapter five verse two points to Bethlehem, of again a very specific place as the birthplace of the promised Messiah. And so long before we ever get to 
you know, Jesus being born in a manger, we have hundreds and hundreds of, of years of, of prophecy, you know, to different generations at different times, all pointing to this Savior and giving us signs so that we would know when the Savior came and it had arrived. Yeah, and actually, I don't know if you know this, Dan, but I've heard this and I, I've looked into it a little bit, but maybe you know the listeners can do their own research and, and due diligence on this one. But I've heard that the gospel story, that this idea that, that God would come to save his people is told in scripture even as far back as Genesis 5. There's this genealogy from Adam mm. to Noah and if you translate or or look at the meanings of those names, Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah, those are like the firstborn of each generation. Their names mean man appointed mortal sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching. His death shall bring the despairing mm. rest or comfort. That's like basically the gospel story that Jesus is going to come and uh, yeah. bring rest and comfort to you know the the man who was appointed mortal sorrow and that's the promise right that that there's this hope there's this savior coming and we see it all throughout the old testament the prophets especially you know building up to this climax this big moment where Jesus is going to step on the scene but <clears throat> excuse me even before we get to his birth, there's so many people who played a pivotal role in God's divine plan. And we even see that in some of the gospel stories when they start up, like they talk about the genealogies that lead to Jesus and they give, you know, the, the backstory, uh, even beginning with the patriarchs of Israel, right? Talking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and that, you know, the nations will be blessed through their descendants. And we get to David and we see this line from David to Jesus and this messianic prophecy that really it sets the stage for the arrival of someone who is going to encapsulate all of this and bring it all to fulfillment. Yeah. And so you have this, this great prophecy and, and it's carried on through generations and it leads us to just this understanding that people are watching and they're waiting for this, that it's, it's on the radar. It's something that they're, you know, considering and thinking about and looking for, um, the signs. And so then we get to kind of this, this section of the Bible and of the story where it's it's the lead up, right? Like we have the prophecies and we have it going from generation to generation. As we get closer and closer, the stage really starts to get set for this. And what ends up happening is the people of Israel or, you know, God's chosen people, they, you know, disobey God a little bit and they start to face some consequences um, of that. And You're it being leads really to nice. a little this... bit, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe I am too nice. Um, but it, it leads to, you know, this exile in, uh, in Babylon. And so in the midst of like this judgment, God ends up showing mercy on his people. And we have these, these leadership figures, uh, like Ezra and Nehemiah who step up. And as a result of their efforts, God's people are, are able to return. And so we see that in their disobedience, right, God is faithful and he restores them. And it, and even in that, right, it's, it's happening and the people are experiencing it. But it's foreshadowing the ultimate restoration that's going to come through the Messiah, right? Like he's, he's bringing them back physically to this place where they belong. But what's going to happen is spiritually, you know, everybody is going to be able to be made right with God. And so that, that mm. 
kind of sets the stage. Um, and then from there, there's uh, what we kind of refer to as a period of silence. It's that gap the between the Old Testament and the New Testament where God is still working. He, he's still doing things, but the prophets who would speak for God and speak on behalf of God, their voices were were momentarily hushed. We don't have writings from them. We don't have records from them. They're not, you know, speaking to God's people. And and that, after this this period of silence, after God kind of sets the stage, as the people had disobeyed, he brings them back, um, you know, through Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, and then there's this silence, and that sets the stage for some wild stories uh, leading up to mm-hmm. the actual birth of Jesus. And so that's kind of where we want to want to turn to next and spend the, the rest of our, our episode. Yeah, and I think I can just picture myself, you know, coming up in this culture and the Jewish faith is still practiced and it's still something that's very much in effect in the scene that we step into where we're going to pick up in Luke chapter one. And we see this figure named Zechariah. And in that context where, like you said, the prophets have been silent and there's not this you know, strong voice that's tied directly to God, God speaking directly to his people. We still have these figureheads Mm -hmm. in in the faith and in their tradition and in their religion. We have, you know, the high priest and, and the various levels of the priesthood at play here, but there's not that prophet the same way that there had been for generations before and the writings that they would have and would look to where the promised Messiah, um, you know, that, that concept came from. And so here, here's Zechariah and it says in Luke chapter one, verse five through seven, in the time of Herod, the king, um, sorry, Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. These were faithful people, despite that that silence, yeah. despite that different context that they grew up in and and lived in. Um, God considered them righteous. He he says that they followed and observed His commands blamelessly, and that is huge. Like, <laughs> I don't think if I were plopped in that mm-hmm. culture, I could even begin to measure up to that level of dedication and commitment. And, you know, I'm like Paul, I'm like thankful that I'm not under the law because the law for me would just lead to (laughs) sin. Like there's no way that I could fulfill all of the law. Uh, I would fall short somewhere, but here we see Zachariah and Elizabeth just living their very best as, as much as they possibly could to observe all the Lord's commands. But verse seven, it says that they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Yeah. And you know, we get both of their names, right? It's, it's not just the Elizabeth show. It's not just the Zachariah (laughs) show. Like it's this dynamic duo, this couple together. Uh, And we have those descriptors, like you said, of, you know, they observed all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, like just to the (laughs) utmost, right. That, um, but then, you know, there's always that, that, but right. Like they're, they're so great. They're good. They're awesome. They're righteous, but they're childless. And, you know, that was uh, a particular like stigma in that culture. Like you were trying to pass on your, your lineage and, and they're part of God's story. And, you know, so what's going on here. And we're told that they're, they're very old, right. They're not able to conceive that 
it's just not going to happen apart from something supernatural, right? God's intervention, God's plan. This is not in the cards. But here we see them kind of being chosen and singled out and selected by God. And verse 8 says, once when Zechariah's division was on duty, remember he's a priest and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot. Um, according to the custom of the priesthood. And, you know, we can kind of read into this, like, it was a chance, is it, you know, luck and things like that? No, this, this is God's plan, right? God is, is using yeah. what people are doing to select Zechariah, right? Like, we already know his, his character from before. We know that he's, he's the dude, right? He's the one who's going to be chosen. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's chosen by lot, but he's really chosen by God, according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So like, you know, his number get, it gets called, it's his day, it's time to shine. Uh, and verse 10 says, And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. And then something crazy happens. Like this was not an ordinary day for Zechariah, because verse 11 says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Um now that didn't happen all the time. Like that was not a common occurrence. Like, no. It wasn't just, that didn't happen to everyone when they got chosen. Um, this was a very specific, you know, day, a, a very specific occurrence that an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And so you can just imagine kind of like what's going through his mind. Like he's, he's not thinking about the fact that, you know, they're childless and don't have a child. Like that's not on his mind. He's just going about his priestly duties and then out of nowhere, you know, this angel pops up. And, and we know that that can be a very scary thing in Scripture. You know, angels can be terrifying. Uh, and so, yeah, so some stuff happens. There's some great memes out there that show, like, biblically realistic angels. Um, they are terrifying. <laughs> like, there's this one that's like a just this bright <laughs> wheel of eyes. And I would be very afraid <laughs> if I saw that. And so naturally, the first thing that the angel says to Zachariah is do not be afraid. Um, and I think Zachariah, like you said, is is a normal day for him. The ver verse we read earlier, mm -hmm. it says his division was on duty. It's like just, you know, his time. He's at work, his division's on duty, he's serving as a priest. And, uh, you know, he gets picked to do some of the extra labor, some of the, some, something more than the regular yeah. duty shift, right? It's like he, sh he pulled the short straw that day. And uh, <clears throat> all of a sudden, this angel appears to Zachariah. He says, do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. And Zachariah initially, you know, I'm sure he's prayed lots of prayers and he's wondering, okay, which one? <laughs> um, and the angel continues and says, your <laughs> wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, he will, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. 
And this would have stood out to Zechariah because this aligns with some of the promises of Scripture about the Messiah, that there would be one that would you know, prepare a way for the coming of the Lord. And so Zechariah, not only is his prayer being answered that he's going to have a son or that he's going to have a child, not only is his prayer being answered that his wife Elizabeth, who's unable to bear children, will be miraculously able to bear a child. But now God's taking this a step further and saying, this child is not just going to be special to you, but he's going to be special to me and to my kingdom and to my purpose here on this earth. He's going to use John for this great purpose to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so Zachariah, you know, by the time he collects himself and fully starts to grasp what's going on, he, he asks the angel, he says, how can I be sure of this? I, I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. He's so polite when he talks about his wife. The angel says to him, <laughs> I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. That's crazy. Here's this guy who's like, yeah. you know, done everything he can to be so faithful and so observant. And Gabriel calls him out in this moment of doubt, right? He's like, look, I'm here. <laughs> uh, I showed up. I'm telling you I'm the promises angel. of God. You doubt me. So just to prove it to you, you're going to be dumbstruck until this happens. Yeah, it's one of those like, you know, just crazy questions. Like, you, of course, what? Like, he's old. <laughs> he's he's prayed this prayer. Like, yeah, he's, he's believing that God can do it and God will give him a child. But he's like, it's impossible. Uh, and so then when the angel's like, this is going to happen, you're going to have a son, he's going to be a joy and a delight to you, and he's going to be great, and all this all this awesome stuff, you know, Zachariah's probably like reeling, like his mind is just blown. And so he's like, how can I be sure of this? Like, what am I going to tell it's Elizabeth? So natural. Like, <laughs> like, you know, I saw an angel. and <laughs> Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, it's, you can, you can really, like, empathize with him in that moment, right? Like, of mm -hmm. where he's coming from. But really like to God, these, these natural responses, right? When, when our natural mind kind of takes over and instead of just being like, you know, thank you, God, or responding in faith, when we ask these questions of like, you know, what sign can you give me? Or how can I know for sure? Right? Like, I want to be a hundred percent. I don't, I don't just want to kind of like take this promise. Like, what if it doesn't actually happen? Like he's, he's kind of hedging his bats, bets. Like he wants um, to really be able to believe this. And, you know, I love that the response, like just in the moment, you know, the angel kind of addressing that, right? Like, yeah, we feel bad for Zechariah in a moment. Um, but it does just remind us that we do have these lingering doubts, right? Even when we feel like God has given us an answer or a promise or, you know, that, and we still just kind of wonder like, well, I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. And we, we, we hmm. do this naturally, uh, and yet we're not as aware of it as Zechariah is because he's got an angel, you know, calling him out right then and there. Whereas we, we don't usually have that happen. Um, but yeah, then he gets this sign, right? And then of course he's probably like, oh, I should, you know, really wish I hadn't asked the question. Um, you know, because now he's, he's going to be silent. Like he can't talk anymore. And it says you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. <laughs> you know, it's like from this day on, he's, he doesn't know how long, like, 
he's like this can't happen you're telling me it is and like i can't even talk now until it happens like is this like how long is this gonna take you know like it we don't know like supernaturally what god's gonna do right like he could you know yeah. maybe she was pregnant the whole time and like it's tomorrow but uh or maybe it's like the whole you know nine almost 10 months like that he's gonna have to wait <laughs> um, but all of that was just because he just wanted to be like you know how can i be sure i want to know for sure yeah, like elizabeth's Zachary gonna ask me you know, she's gonna... elizabeth, and she's like oh that's so nice like why'd you bring me flowers and he can't say anything <laughs> yeah exactly he's got to go figure out right and again this is just a normal a normal day on the job and he he's encountered an angel finds out he's gonna have a kid his kid's gonna be great in the eyes of the lord but now he can't talk about it and he's got to go home and you know figure this out uh, it's just absolutely crazy when you think about you know joseph gets a and lot this of is the truth about christmas really this is the this true is story yeah the true story. All right, continuing on with the story, and I hope, you know, if you're listening to this, I hope you have your Bible app in uh, Luke chapter 1, and you can, you know, follow along with us. But Luke chapter 1, verse 21 says, Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, because again, like, he's doing a job. Like, he's he's on the job. He's on the clock right now. <laughs> people are waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. They're like, man, like, have you not done this before? Like, did something go wrong? Like, what's going on? Uh, and verse 22 says when he came out he could not speak to them so you know just lets us know that this actually happened and they realized i don't know how they realized but they realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak so he just <laughs> like you know charades. it's like it's like charades like just right now like you know how do you how, what's the sign for angel um when you don't know sign language there's no universal sign language um but yeah it's just like a i don't know it's just a funny picture to picture this guy like just so overwhelmed like and he'd be wanting to like burst with like telling people what's going on and he can't right like you just imagine like yeah. you know being in that mode like the frustration of trying to uh communicate it Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so he comes out of the temple, he eventually returns home. And it says that after this, that's when Elizabeth became pregnant. And five months went by. And, uh, you know, he's still quiet. And Elizabeth's been kind of in seclusion. And she's believing that God has done this, that this is a miracle, because she knows she hasn't been able to have kids for her entire life. So she knows this is a miracle. And she says, even without Zachariah explaining it to her, or maybe he was trying with more sign language, but <laughs> she says, in these days, he, God has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Because remember, in this culture, it was you know, so just honorable to be able to have children and your children were your legacy they're your you know your heritage and even in many eastern cultures today they'll take on the name of their firstborn child they'll call themselves like my parents my name's jordan they would call themselves abu jordan or um jordan saying father of jordan or mother of jordan and that you know culture was very much alive in this day and children were the heritage they were the legacy and elizabeth is saying god has taken that disgrace away from me and so five months go by and eventually mary visits elizabeth and um it says at that time mary got ready and hurried down uh, hurried to a town in the hill country of judea 
where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. So Mary comes in the door and she says hi to Elizabeth. And at that moment, John leaps in uh, Elizabeth's womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. She's talking to Mary. But why mm-hmm. am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She's she's prophesying. She's just been filled with the Holy Spirit. And now here she is prophesying over Mary and just speaking about what God is about to do through Mary. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, Elizabeth says, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So we're now at like the eighth month, eight month period. And I know Dan, you've got uh, a few <laughs> kids of your own, so, you know, we must be getting close. And, uh, what, what happens next? What happens next? Well, I'll, I'll stick to this story. I think I won't explain the whole other thing, but, uh, <laughs> so what happens next? Uh, verse 57 says when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. So we have the, the culmination of all this. And again, this is not Jesus, right? This is, this is the birth of John. Um, <laughs> and it says, verse 58, her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. So the story was spreading of, you know, what God had done and, you know, what he'd done to Zechariah, what he'd enabled to happen for Elizabeth. And so like, there's this story spreading about John and it's been, you know, foretold by the angel to to Zechariah that, um, you know, John would be great in the sight of the Lord. And so it's not a surprise that there is this attention being drawn to, to John. And it says in verse 59, on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. And so in all this time, right, the angel had told them and given them the name, right? John, you will name the baby John. And in all of this time, um, Zachariah has not been able to like communicate <laughs> the wishes, right? Like he, he hasn't been able to, it's not clear to everyone what this child's name is yet. And so like, despite him trying, um, you know, they're, they're about to name him after his father, Zachariah. Um, but his mother, John's mother, uh, Elizabeth speaks up and says, no, he is to be called, um, you know, John. And that, uh, John's name really, it, uh, as far as I know, it means that, you know, God is gracious, right? That God gives us something mm-hmm. that we don't deserve, right? Like as great as, you know, Zachariah and Elizabeth were, they don't, none of us deserve to be part of God's story. We like, we're not worthy of it. Our, even our righteousness is as filthy rags. Like we, we're not perfect. And so um, the fact that God yeah. like bestowed this great gift of having a son and such a prominent son uh, it's such an appropriate name, right? It, it shows the grace of God, that God um, chooses us and he, he brings good things into our lives. And so we have this great moment, you know, Elizabeth speaks out and says, no, he is to be called John. And then they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. They're like, excuse me, <laughs> you know, point of order. Uh, there is no one among your <laughs> you relatives with that. that name. Like, <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't do that. 
Um, then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. So they're like, Zachariah, like, I know you can't talk, but can you talk some sense into your wife here? Like she's saying the name is John. Um, and so verse 63, finally, after all this time, he asks for a writing tablet. Um, that would have been helpful <laughs> so much earlier. <laughs> but in this moment, it's really, really important, crucial. It says he, he asks for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, they can't believe it. He writes, his name is John. Um, and immediately his mouth, Zachariah's mouth is opened and his tongue set free. And he began to speak, praising God. Uh, and all the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. And everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. So again, it, it's just this incredible moment of, you know, the angel showing up and saying, I've heard your prayer. This is what's going to happen. You know, then we have Zachariah's doubt, and then we have the sign that's going to show that this happens. And then, you know, at the moment when everything kind of comes to the fulfillment, we see Zachariah, his mouth is open, his tongue is set free. And what does he do? Right? Like when he begins to speak, he began to speak praising God, right? Like it's just yeah. been built up inside of him all this time of, you know, who John is going to be and what it's going to lead to and, you know, how great God is for fulfilling this promise. And so he just begins, like kind of just bursts out of him, like praising God. And everyone is just filled with awe at the story of what God has done and, you know, what John is uh, a sign of, of things to come. Um, and they're all just kind of wondering, what then is this child going to be? And it, it sets up like really as as things progress and we have, you know, John in the future and Jesus and their ministries and they kind of, you know, you know, co uh, coincide in the future. Um, we see that kind of start to to blossom here where John, his story is is really incredible, like even kind of just on its own. And it, it, it's, you know, by the hand of God, it's it's a miracle. Like there's just so many things that really uh, would draw people to John and would cause people to know about John. And so when we see their ministries kind of start to run parallel for that, that, that little bit where John is pointing people to Jesus, but people are really kind of uh, still just used to following John. Like we see the, the kind of seeds of that story um, birthed <laughs> for, you know, pun intended uh, in, in this part of this part of scripture in this part of the story of Christ. Yeah, and I think the truth of the Christmas story is that it started you know, so much earlier than we often uh, tend to imply. And, I, you know, obviously we're yeah. around the holidays. We're not going to just read the whole Bible when we sit down on Christmas Eve or on Christmas morning. <laughs> it would take a long time, you know, to get to the the part that we typically consider the Christmas story, but John's story is so intertwined with that. And we see that when Mary walks in the room and that moment that she shares with Elizabeth. And then like you're saying, Dan, you know, years later when John and Jesus would overlap in ministry there, and we actually see John baptize Jesus in, in the river. And um, <clears throat> I think that passage that you just read, what's so cool about it is from verse 64 to 65, we see that immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free. He began to speak, praising God. And then 65 just jumps to the response of everyone around. It says, 
all the neighbors were filled with awe and you know everyone's wondering about this everyone it says in verse 66 everyone who heard this wondered about it asking you know what's going to happen who's this kid going to be but we don't actually see what uh Zachariah said but i think that mm-hmm. you know that is actually what is kind of included in the rest of that chapter is what Zechariah actually said when when his mouth was open when his tongue was set free when he began to praise God a lot of times we might read a phrase like that in scripture and we don't actually get the details but here we do and yeah. I'd encourage you you know go and read what Zechariah actually said there's this profound song and um there's kind of you know three main components to that there's this prelude of praise where he opens up just exalting God and praising him. And then there's this section in the middle where it's really prophetic and he begins to declare what's coming and, and really all that's going to happen through John and through Jesus, especially. And he talks about eventually the, the rising sun of salvation in the end of this song. And this was all we as we read, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that much like Elizabeth began to prophesy over Mary through the Holy Spirit, Zachariah is, you know, at the birth of his son and at the naming of his son, John, he's prophesying to that crowd and explaining to them some of the details of what's about to take place. And I think that's why, you know, we see in verse 65, 66, that they're just blown away. They're in awe. It's not only, you know, the the key facts of like, oh, he was mute. Now he's talking. This is awesome. His name's John. Nobody else is named John. Wow, we're in awe. No, but it's all of what began to come out of the mouth of Zachariah as God moved on him by the Holy Spirit. And I think this is so cool to dive into this aspect of the Christmas story that doesn't always get a, a lot of screen time, so to speak, during this season. And yeah. to really see that God has ways of involving so many people in his plan and his purpose. And you said it earlier, Dan, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to use us, but he does. And it's out of his mercy that he and his grace and his compassion that he involves us in this process. And it's something that he's still doing today. He has invited us to join him in this ministry of reconciliation, of of bringing Christ into our world. Right, just like John brought Christ into his world and into the world in in a very real way for the first time, we have the opportunity to join in the mission of God and to bring Christ into our world. And I think that's what inspires me about this narrative is the idea that you know, just like John brought Jesus before the crowd and and really introduced him, we can do the same in our world. As we wrap this one up, I hope you've enjoyed this take on, uh, you know, the truth about Christmas. And I just want to encourage you that this season, um, as you're going to church and celebrating and thinking about the birth of Christ, don't just tune out to it. You know, maybe you hear it all the time, the reason for the season and all that kind of stuff. We want to encourage you to reflect on, you know, the birth of Jesus and, and really dive into the story and the significance of it and the nuances of it. There's so much there and it's so important for Um, our lives and the lives of people around us. So we hope that this has been meaningful to you and that this season especially draws you closer to Jesus than ever before. Thank you so much for listening. We're so glad that you were a part of this episode and we wish you a happy holiday. 